to Fidget, a BFRB podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Fidget. My name is Jason, and this is the first episode after Adele has taken her step away from the show. If you want to hear more about that, that was our previous episode. But this episode is also a little different because we actually met up in person. Our guest today invited me into her home, and she'll share about the high expectations she's placed on herself in her life, her career, and her sport as a high-performance runner. But, well, here we go. Our guest is going to introduce herself. Sure. Okay. Uh, my name is Lindsay. I have skin picking. I've had my skin picking since, oh gosh, like, I would say like middle school, um, but really started to take form um, and impact like ways in my life in, in high school, um, and I'm in my early 30s now, and I've just got help for it and recognized what it actually was in the, the past kind of two years, mm-hmm. which I understand from you, Jason, is, is similar to your journey, yeah, so yeah, all those years I thought I was a, a freak, I was only one who did it. I was going to take this thing to my grave, uh, not tell anybody. And now it's like I want to tell the world kind of thing. <laughs> so uh, definitely a big, a big turnaround uh, for me. So this is, this is uh, great doing this podcast. And I'm so glad to have met you, Jason, through the uh, Canadian um, BF4B Support Network. Yeah, shout out to Joyce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my, uh, I guess, brief intro. That's Lindsay's intro, but we are also joined by her friend. Hello. Okay. Oh, okay, hi, Okay, <laughs> I'm just going to... Yeah. Karma! Oh. <sighs> what do we do with you? We go outside? Let's go outside. You love outside. You love outside. Um, our conversation started with the different ways her BFRB has impacted her life. One of the things... Um, I did in my house over this past year is I got rid of all my mirrors, mm-hmm. which was a huge step. So now it just removes like me looking or checking or seeing that one blemish. So, but the funny thing is I don't know how, how what I look like half the time. And I work from home. So, you know, there's hardly any, any Zoom calls or we work on teams, but sometimes I'll do video chat and I'll be like, oh, that's how I look like. Okay. But it is kind of a relief. A lot of people with BFRBs might identify probably as like perfectionists or like type A. I'm definitely in that category. So removing the mirrors is just like one thing that, well, it was tough, but uh, I my skin is not perfect. I need to come to terms with that. And not having the mirrors is just like one thing. Like it's a time suck. Um, skin picking takes up so much time. Oh my God. It's like a, it's like a part-time job. You do not get paid for It's the worst. No benefits. Like it's just, uh, so much time. Um, yeah. So much time spent picking so much time, like lying to your friends while you're late. Oh, like, you know, I, I'm still dealing with that a little bit, but I that was really tough in, like, high school, university. I am, so my, I'm a, a focused skin picker, and my problem area is my forehead. Mm. I know some pickers, like, problem areas, like, their back or their chest or their arms, but for me, it's, like, freaking so visible. It, the, the big time suck for me was just, like, you know, spending, like, half hour or whatever, 20 minutes, 
uh, putting on cover up on on my face, especially if it's like a new pick, it's a different regime than if it's a scab. Like, anyways, it's just it was really annoying. I'm an active person, so it's just like who wants to sweat cover up? It was like the worst. I don't know how many years I've. This is I now probably been one year free of cover up, uh, which is more of kind of an acceptance of like yes like I do have blemishes but I'm more open about my my skin picking mm-hmm. but uh yeah a lot of years of 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 you know no pun intended covering up right <laughs> so it's uh yeah I've, I've kind of been on this this recovery journey for two years it isn't perfect mm-hmm. but yeah thank goodness yeah no more cover up While my skin picking doesn't really affect my face, I can definitely empathize with all that time lost to picking and lying about it. I often reflect that while, yes, on one hand, the BFRB was so painful, and yet maybe I was in denial or I avoided seeking help. So I pose this to Lindsay. Was there a turning point in her journey? And like, what the heck? Like, what took us so long? Yeah, it's it's easy, but it's also hard at the same time. Like, I remember my first like kick in the butt. I was going through a really rough patch like in November, so kind of like this gloomy, rainy season in in Vancouver. And I've o- I've always dealt with anxiety. That's kind of my thing. Like skin picking obviously doesn't help, but I just remember one kind of gloomy November. I just like kind of called my mom crying, and I was just like, like I'm anxious, but I I don't like usually I know why I'm anxious. It's like a stressor event at work or running or something in my personal life. But I'm like, I, I don't even know why I'm anxious. And I'm just crying. And so she's like, oh, wow. So she, she lives up in Whitehorse. So she got up on a plane and visited me. And I took some, some time off work. But essentially, I took, I was fortunate enough to take some vacation off, off work. But I treated it like I'm going to finally fix not fix it but like address this like picking thing I just felt so like open and vulnerable and like finally willing to just seek out like help and I didn't even google like uh, skin I'm not sure if you experienced this but like I've had skin picking for over half my life and I was again in that um that shame and like disgust with myself so I'm like, oh my god, I'm so disgusted with like about my own weird habit. Mm. I don't even want to go down the the wormhole of the internet. So I actually never did yeah. until that November, mm. and then instead of being disgusted, I was like, oh my god, like so many people have it. It's so freaking common. Like the TED talks, I just like <laughs> real brawl the TED talks. They're great. Oh, the TED talks, so good. Despite having avoided the issue for so long, I was so impressed by how once Lindsay learned about skin picking, she really tackled her mental health head on. Uh, You know, I'm an engineer, so I was just like, this is, I kind of treated my getting back from skin picking like, okay, where's my schedule? What are my deliverables? (laughs) Like, like, you know, do a little stepping stone. It also helps being an athlete too. Like you're very goal oriented. So I kind of, I treated it a little bit like work. And it was so hard, like journaling. I had like a sticker thing. I did it. I did everything. And kind of my attitude was try it all, see what stuck. I really lowered my expectations for other things in my life. For instance, like running. I just was like all about get 
getting um, help with my skin picking, I thought uh, it took a lot of mental energy. Like I was tired in my day and I really didn't, wasn't doing much and just kind of reading or um, journaling. I'm such a routine person and this whole getting help for skin picking out of routine, I was really using, you know, those like thinking muscles and like that stuff is draining. So I went through a period of like managing my BFRB like a job and it was kind of a love-hate relationship where I really loved the results, but it was, it was draining. And so I got to a point where I was kind of recognized what worked well with me and kind of lost the other stuff that still worked well. But like, you know, I only have so much mental capacity in my day. I got to get like, you know, back working. So there's certain things I do in my life now, for instance, like the no mirrors, the positive self-talk, the fidget toys. I keep up certain things, uh, but then the other ones, it was kind of a nice thing to get me going on the right path. And they're great tools if I'm talking to someone else who's kind of just in their, the beginning of their kind of skin picking journey. Like here's all the stuff I learned, like see, see what sticks on the wall. But I'm, once I hit that point where I'm managing it now. It's not a super drain. I'm not perfect. Like I have pretty much nice skin, but then I have some flare-ups and it's, it's not a huge deal. From one engineer to another, I really respect Lindsay's problem-solving approach, especially her sticker chart. So I wanted her to go over it with you. She's going to talk about how it helped track her triggers and it motivated her to develop healthy habits. Okay, so the sticker chart... I've, I think I found something online um, for tra- like ha- tracking your ha- like a habit tracker, mm. and I also was doing a lot of reflecting with what was like. Yes, I know I, I skin pick, but you know I pick when I'm happy, I pick when I'm sad, I pick when I'm anxious, and I was just trying to understand why I was doing it, but then more importantly, like how to kind of stop stop it in its tracks. I'm very very much a routine person, like I said. Mm-hmm. So essentially, I, I, I made this little chart. On one side is my triggers, and right beside a trigger is like an action. Basically, depending on what the trigger is, my like action is very like tied into that trigger. So it, mm-hmm. it's not the same like action for every trigger. Like for instance, one trigger would be like, you know, getting ready in the morning, like brushing your teeth and that sort of thing. So my like solution to that was brush my teeth in the kitchen. And so I got a sticker every time I did that. I don't even have my sticker chart now. And I just love brushing my teeth in the kitchen because I'm like a multitasker. So I'm like putting away dishes. I'm starting my coffee. Another example would be um, having a really high like uh, stimulus social day. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I would pick to kind of decompress after that. Mm -hmm. And my solution to that was like put on some music and just like chill out on the couch. Mm -hmm. So I like get a sticker from that. So it was kind of fun. Well, first of all, it was a lot of hard thinking and reflection about what my triggers were. I had certain triggers that were, yeah, like if I was uh, really happy and like, you know, post like, yeah, social events. Mm -hmm. Um, There's other ones. Yeah. Like if it was a work stress thing, my actual trigger was to like reduce expectations, which was really hard for me. Mm. But 
every so I had the sticker chart on my kitchen table, someplace really visible, the stickers ready. And every time I did um, like an action solution strategy, I gave myself a trigger, uh, not trigger, uh, a sticker. And uh, so the idea of the the chart is if you look at it, I'm trying to paint it for your the listeners here, but the the, the left hand side is like the trigger and the action. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it kind of goes down. I think I had like 10 or something. Mm-hmm. And then the stickers go kind of from left to right. So mm-hmm. like in columns. Mm-hmm. And so every time you do it, you can imagine like you're trying to get to the other end. Like a little, I don't know, a little go-kart or something. So <laughs> once you hit the end of the page, I think it's like, I don't know, 10 stickers for me. It's like habit training. Mm. So by the time I hit like 10 stickers for like brushing my teeth in the kitchen, like I didn't need the sticker thing anymore because it was still... You know, it was, I, once you repeat something like 10, I don't know, there's probably something mm-hmm. you can Google that says how many times you need to do something for the habit to stick. But it's interesting to see, see on my sticker chart because there were some things where I had an action for it, but it was like really kind of a tough to do. Mm-hmm. So I only had like three stickers <laughs> and then there were some really like, oh, like I had this like down pat, yeah. um, like washing dishes. I love washing dishes. Mm-hmm. I forget what strategy uh, that was but for for some tr- trigger my strategy was like wash the dishes so like i freaking nailed that one like freaking 10 stickers after a week so i i liked it because you can be yeah. it was interesting to see the progression of your of working on your strategies mm-hmm. and it's also like if you're goal oriented like yay you, ma- you made it to 10 stickers like that sort of thing so anyways yeah, yeah. maybe like put a picture of the strategy tracker in your, in your, in your show notes and (laughs) yeah. yeah. Yeah, Collecting the data for it. Yes. Yes. Um. Something I applied in my previous work was the plan, do, check, act model for continuous improvement. If you're feeling stuck with your BFRB, I really encourage you to check it out. The model places an emphasis on having iterations and not being too discouraged when an idea doesn't have the intended results. As I talked about in episode 19, failures are actually data points. That was a theme in my conversation with Lindsay, being goal-oriented people. Sure, goals are motivating, but it can be a double-edged sword, and sometimes we need to recalibrate them if we're being unrealistic with our expectations. Oh man, yeah, where to begin with that? So, guess a little bit of backstory with me. So, probably one of the reasons why not why, but like, you know, I was always an anxious kid, like got good grades, um, had a lot of success, probably starting in high school with my running, you know, was making national teams kind of top of the country. And so everything was good. But you know, it comes with the pressure of like, hey, every race you enter, you're kind of expected to win. I think that in combination with being like a strong student, like it's just like failures, not an option, right? I really honestly didn't figure out how to lower my expectations probably till my mid to late 20s and even then it was I didn't even lower them they just were lowered because I was just so like helpless (laughs) but now I actually feel like so I guess before I lower my expectations and I'd feel like you know depressed or like mad at myself but now I lower them intentionally Mm. and I took a, a course for like athlete self-compassion, like mm. athletes are always so hard on themselves. You go to like an athlete after a race and like you give me one runner that says, oh my gosh, I'm ecstatic about my race. They're usually like, 
oh yeah, the race was good, probably could have done better, like, wasn't my best, or like, you know, we're, we're just wired that way, we're just, that that's what drives us to mm-hmm. be the very best, or mm-hmm. think we are, but mm-hmm. athletes, I, I think, yeah, need to be more self-compassionate, so I took this kind of online course uh, that a PhD student was was running, and that really helped me be more self-compassionate as an athlete, but then also towards myself, and then I kind of let it go into my picking where, yeah, like if you have like a bad picking episode and for me, like I waste, like not waste, but where is time gone? And I had all those things I was supposed to do. And it's like, okay, Lindsay, like what really needs to be done in your head for your kind of list of chores or or what have you. So I think I always want more hours in the day and there isn't. So it's just kind of reducing my expectations of like what's actually like important in my life and what are just the things that I want to do to satisfy my anxiety so it is definitely will always be a work in progress Mm -hmm. but I think now the part that's different for me is when I've reduced my expectations I actually like kind of feel like proud of myself Mm -hmm. whereas before it came with a lot of like uh like guilt or failure it came with failure, whereas now I've actually flipped it, and, like, I do less. And, like, for instance, uh, recently um, I've been working lots at, at work, mm. and uh, typically with my running schedule, I try to fit in runs every day and actually sometimes even two runs a day and, and cross-training. <laughs> I know for normal folk it seems nuts, <laughs> but uh, I said... Athlete. Yeah, so... <laughs> So this week, this past two weeks, I've been in runner lingo. I've been skipping my doubles. And, like, <laughs> old me just been like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm going to be so out of shape. Like, or, like, you know, I'm kind of not disciplined enough. But it's like, you know, I need I need some sleep. I, I can't, uh, you can only do so much. Um, and I had certain work commitments. So re- recently, instead of being super hard on myself, I'm like, well, you know, my legs will be more rested for the run workouts. And if I did do my double, it would, I would really suck at running because I would just be so tired. Like, it's not helping my running. I was doing stuff before to satisfy the anxiety. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to do stuff now, like, okay, actually, like, Lindsay, what's your body going to accept? Like, what are you going to respond well to? My dad used to call it, like, the hamster wheel. I'd just be, like, on the hamster wheel. <laughs> Like, yeah. so less, there's still some hamster wheel stuff, but less, less on the hamster wheel these right, days. Right. Yeah. yeah. When I hear Lindsay talk about her doubles and wanting more hours in the day, I think about a recent shift I've had with my own BFRB. For so long, I've said my BFRB is linked with my anxiety, but now I want to say my BFRB is linked with my ambition. It's strange that there's a negative connotation with anxiety, but a positive one with ambition. But really, they're almost two sides of the same coin. I probably had an unhealthy amount of ambition. I put all this pressure on myself to do more. Lindsay expands on these perceptions of good enough and the relationship between anxiety and expectations. Yeah, none of us are good enough, so get over it. Yeah, 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 yeah. no. Um, yeah, so I guess like the whole anxiety, and I know some people do like anxiety and, and depression, but it, mm-hmm. it does obviously can be seen as a weakness but as you talked about earlier it's like makes you more compassionate towards others like I think you can connect with people on a way deeper level like talking about kind of your like everyone has struggles right if if you don't you're boring 
It's like, really. I, I don't know. You probably wouldn't be one of my friends. So. There you go. <laughs> Everyone's got an issue, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, just add some flavor. I'm for, like, I really feel sad where it, it does, like, become debilitating, which it has in my past. And for some people, it is, like, a lot more severe. Mm. So that's where it really sucks, where it is, it could definitely be perceived as, like, yeah, if you're debilitated, you can't work, you can't function. Like, that's where you, you need, you know, real, like, professional help. But I think, like, those who, who have anxiety, like, we're not slackers. We are very intelligent people, like attention to detail, goal-oriented, like the A-types, right? Mm. So yeah, those expectations that drive you to do some really cool things. Mm. Or like for me, like to handle like performance on demand with my sport mm. and like those high like athlete um, achievements were, would not be possible without like kind of handling some some anxiety through the process. Um, it's kind of like a, a battle wound, if you will. Um, yeah, like you deal with it, has some some bad days or good days. But I guess what I want to try to get at is anyone really who's either like you're, you know, an amazing cellist or you're like a mathlete, like or like a chess whiz, or for me, like you know, a high performance like a, a runner. Like, everyone at the elite level, they have to have some sort of, like, that drive within them. But what also comes with that is, like, probably some anxiety, probably some depression. It's not, like, a bad thing. It's just, it's there. Right. And if you can manage it, then, you know, world's your oyster. Mm. My conversation with Lindsay started with the negative consequences of her BFRB, but as an ending note, we circled back and she reflected on her newfound perspective and the benefits she's realized through her mental health journey. The, the, the years that my parents, like I said, told me, like, oh, like you, know, you need help for your skin picking and, oh. and all this kind of stuff. I think it's because they saw what running gave to me when I was younger because I was quite successful at it was like a lot of confidence, right? Oh. And... Um, even though I was still skin picking, like I think the whole running with success over, overshadowed it, so I just kind of slipped it on the rug. But as I started to go like yeah, university, and then and then after um, university, like working in in the in the real world, um, <laughs> my parents saw like my bubbly side just like did you know deteriorate, and so I think my uh, my my parents and like. The, the friends who knew me like before they 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 knew old Lindsay so like sometimes when you know someone you kind of stick with that's how they are in your head but you know I was I think going down and I was a little bit less yeah like less bubbly less yeah just more like I like whatever like I was just dealing with like the whole vibrations of the anxiety and the BFRB in my head um, I was just always trying to satisfy the anxiety cravings. Like, that was my priority, was, like, picking, hiding my picking, dealing with work. It was very draining. Yeah, my BFRB was very consuming. It was just, like, something that I wanted so badly to get rid of, mainly because it was a huge time suck. Now, I'm seeing that I'm getting back to, like, my bubbly self, um, definitely, like, my confidence is a lot higher. Oh, the other thing that's... So with my BFRB, I was never, like, present. Mm. Because I was always like, oh, my God, can they can they see, like, the gouges in my forehead? Or, like, mm. the craters, like, can they see through the cover-up? Or... Mm. 
So I would always kind of look down or I like would never look at people in the eyes. Mm. And I was more like, you know, like a dog with like my tail between my legs. It's weird because I'm a very, I guess like I, I like interacting with people uh, more in like a one-on-one setting, not like, hey, let's go to like the bars every weekend. Like that's not me. Mm. But I like having like really good conversations with people. Mm. But it was tough with my BFRB. I always felt like I was like hiding. Can they... Can they see through me? And so I was never present in those conversations. Like, even though we'd be talking about something, my head would just be like, you know, skin picking, like, can they see? And so I really, my, your head, your your brain, like, can't think of that and also something meaningful to add to the conversation. So, like, now... I, like, I'm looking people in the eye. I'm, like, having great conversation. I'm, like, belly laughing. Like, <laughs> it's just, like, I'm present. And yeah. that's one thing that now that I don't so much, like, yeah, like, identify with my BFRB is I can be there, be present with, like, my friends, my colleagues. Yeah. Like, for me, um, I was, like, always, like, wearing, like, headbands or, like, hats, like, even though it was, like, when I moved to Vancouver, even though, like, Vancouver's so rainy, people hate it. I'm like, oh, sweet, like, rain, like, wear hats all the time. This is great. Uh, but, yeah, now it's, like, it's a big, it's just a huge weight off your shoulder. Yeah. Um, like, I, like, I've been, like, going to the grocery, like, right now, as I'm speaking to you, I have a couple um, scabs on my forehead, and I went to the grocery store, like, mm-hmm. no problem, but... Even, like, me, probably a couple months ago, would at least be a little bit, like, oh, Lindsay, remember, you're going to the grocery store and you have, like, some scabs in your head, maybe wear a hat. And now, like, I don't even, because I don't have, I don't even mirrors, like, I didn't even, that didn't even go in my head, like, it's just, like, whatever. Um, so. Yo. But it's just, it's ebbs, ebbs and flows, man. Yeah. So, who knows, who knows what a couple months down the road will be, but, uh, yeah, I'm getting there, for sure. That is our episode for today. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for sharing your story and Karma for allowing me to ask my questions. There's a picture of Lindsay's sticker chart up on our Instagram at Fidget Podcast. If you'd like some help setting up your own, you can email me at fidgetpodcast at gmail.com. I want to thank Cheyenne for our logo, Thomas for our music, and our Patreon supporters for keeping the show going. Until next time, stay tuned.